Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, 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 everybody. Um, If I sound a little kind of tinny, I am here in a hotel room in Boca Raton, Florida, just landed for a huge speech that I'm doing tomorrow before I head off to Vegas. Where in the world is Forbes Riley? I love this game, and this is kind of find that map and put a pin in it. Well, today's a very special show. I had a chance to meet the gentleman that you're going to meet in just a few minutes, and I was completely blown away. We had both done a similar podcast, and there was just this energy. Now, you guys have followed along the entrepreneurial journey with me, many of my students, certainly lots of fans, on how do you become successful? Well, you're not going to learn how by watching this show, because he has no idea how he did it. No, just kidding. Um, this is the crazy thing. I've got a guest today who, you know, as we're all struggling to find our way, for those listening live, it is the beginning of 2023. I hear a lot of, oh my God, what are we going to do for the year? How are we planning? What are we up to? And I hear a lot of people just not being focused. My guest today, and I'm going to give him the entire hour, that's how impressed I was, has been a serial entrepreneur for over 20 years. You know, he started his venture capital firm. He is an investor. He sold companies. He is a wealth of information. And as you know, my word for 2023 is implementation. I've got enough education to last me a lifetime. And as y'all know, you can't learn to pitch or do business by reading a book. You just can't. You got to get in there, get your hands dirty, practical information. And one of the secrets to being successful is figuring out what your lane is and who you need to bring into your world to make it successful. Now, for many years, and I share this very openly, i very shy over here, and I did not want anyone to realize that I was an imposter. You know, we all have that syndrome. So I didn't bring in a coach and I played a little bit smaller than I could have because as many of you know, Derek doesn't know this story, but I really did imposter my own agent. When I couldn't find an agent in New York City in my early 20s, I created an agency called CMA, Creative Management for Artists. I got a phone and I got a stationery and I hired a woman named Lindsay Maxwell. And Lindsay was this wonderful British woman who thought that the world began and ended with Forbes Riley. And she'd pick up the phone and get her movies and television. Well, I was Forbes Riley. Okay, that's the ultimate imposter. I'd show up on a set and somebody said, well, I have to call your manager. I'm like, like Superman, I have to go find a phone booth right now. I better leave. And so I had this little game going. Now, by the way, I booked more movies and TV as my own manager than anyone has ever done before or since, primarily because I'm a great pitch person. <laughs> So as I progressed in my own business life, um, I've gotten bolder and bolder. And I reached out to him because one of the things that I realized is that I don't believe, now he's walking a fine line, which is interesting. He's just gone from behind the scenes. He's now venturing forth into in front of the camera. And I can't wait to share that story. But for me, I'm a pitch person. Let me talk. I can, I can talk all day. But there's a whole structure and management to your back end. Talk about implementation, systems, processes, people. And so as you're going along your journey, I advise you, number one, to listen to this show because I think it's going to blow your mind to hear some of the inside behind the scene tips of how does somebody sell companies, scale to eight, nine, ten figures, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, the one, the only, now you're going to, if you're watching this live, and I so recommend you go to facebook.com slash Forbes Riley fan page, join the 1.8 other million people who love this show, and tune in just to see what kind of car Derek is driving. He's actually in the car. Not that he's showing off. He actually owns this. It's one of those cars that I talk about a lot, you guys. Well, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Derek Fay. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> what, what a lovely introduction. I do apologize for being in the car, but I had to go pick up my daughters. No, you can't apologize for that. You know, one of the greatest things we talk about your daughters being teenagers and having their own business. The reason my kids are successful is I took them everywhere, especially places that were not appropriate. Uh, I never left them behind and I let them watch. And I think for kids, that's the greatest thing you can do. Yes. I agree. My daughters grew up in boardrooms with me and I shared this story with you. Even before they could write, they would sit at a boardroom negotiating hundred million dollar companies, scribbling along like they were taking notes uh, but I believe that stuff sinks in subconsciously for sure. Well, it must because your two daughters who are age 14 and 16, I believe they have their own company that's now six figures. Am I correct? 
you are correct. Um, about three or four years ago, they stopped asking for Christmas presents. They started asking for their own brick and mortar business. So about three years ago, maybe four now, um, they acquired a company called Rita's Italian Ice. They have two brick and mortars, uh, a mobile truck, four mobile units, and they're clearing over a half a million dollars a year. For all of you listening, you thought McKenna was doing good at 20. Oh my God, she's getting old fast. <laughs> but it does beg the question, why are you not as successful as you want to be? So that's what we're gonna unpack today with Derek's help. So Derek, I've got a lot of entrepreneurs who love this show. And one of the things we see very successful people as he's sitting there in his roles, um, and they only meet us once we've gotten there. Did you start out, was your dad rich? Did he hand you a million dollar check to get business going? What was your, how did you start? Yeah, I wish. Uh, people say is that they're born with a silver spoon. I was born with a spork. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I grew up in uh, Rhode Island, uh, single mom, section eight housing, welfare, food stamps, uh, my biggest concern as a six-year-old was when the next meal was coming. Um, so, no, I, I came from nothing, which I wear, honestly, as a badge of honor. And I'm, I'm so proud to say it because I hope what it does is inspire other people from that path to realize that it does not matter where you come from, only where you're going. When you were that age, what were you dreaming about? I was dreaming about not having to worry about the things that no child should ever worry about. Uh, but that manifested into um, never wanting to um, have to worry about money because that's all that was ever talked about in my home. That's, that was the primary concern 24 hours a day. And so that really was a massive uh, motivating factor, not to chase wealth, but to chase uh, freedom for me and my family. Now, if I can be so bold, where was dad? So, uh, good story. So my father was actually fighting for custody of me for about seven or eight years um, back then, showing my age. Uh, the laws were quite a bit different, and a father didn't automatically have joint custody. In fact, in a lot of cases, the fathers were just kind of tossed away as unnecessary. Um, and it was unfortunate because I also come from a very abusive background. So had I been with my father, it would have potentially been a different situation. But again, um, you know, uh, I would have changed that scenario for my family that lived there. But for me, it gave me a strength and a, a resolve that I don't know I would have had otherwise. Okay, so you set out and said, okay, I'm going to do this with my life. When did you decide you're going to be somebody? Honestly, my grandmother tells the best story. So when I was about seven or eight years old, I, I pronounced to my entire family that I was going to listen to this, that I was going to move to Florida and be a multimillionaire. And of course, that was hilarious to everyone. But I believed it. And I believed it every day of my life. And I, the day I turned 21, I left Rhode Island, went directly to Florida. And uh, by 22, I was a, a liquid multimillionaire. Well, all right. So now you can't go from that to that. So you got to Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's a big skip. Yeah, That's like, a big wow. skip. And so, you so how did it all? So here's how it all started. So I'm a venture capitalist now, but I called myself at about 16 or 17 an intermediary venture capitalist, which sounds very important, but in fact, it is not. In fact, it doesn't exist. I made up the term. And so what I did was I identified people that needed money and I identified people that had money. I brought them together and I, talk, I took a piece for myself. Now, in my you know, late teens, it was small amounts of money. But as I got better at it, the deal size grew, my portion grew. And by the time I was 22, I was the guy with the money. And then I became an actual investing venture capitalist. And then my company just grew massively from there. Uh, you still got to unpack. You're really young when you did this. Yeah. What exactly yeah. did you do? Yeah, well, I'll give you the light bulb moment. So I was about 14 or 15 years old working out in a small gym in Rhode Island. And the gym owner came to me and said, listen, uh, we're going to have to close down the gym. I just asked why. And he said, well, we're three months behind on rent. So in my mind, I thought, wow, how could I, how could I fix this? So I, I said, I know a rich guy. It was a guy who drove a BMW. To me, richest man I've ever seen in my life. So I went to him and said, hey, the gym's closing down. He asked why. And he said, hey, I'll tell you what, tell, tell uh, Donnie, I remember the name, um, I'll pay the three months. So I ran back and said, hey, good news. Uh, Jim said he'll pay the three months rent. And then he looked at me and he said, 
you'll never pay a gym membership again. And every time you come in, you can have whatever you want to eat or drink. And I said, huh. And honest to God, that's where it started. Isn't it funny how those one, you know, it does have to be a perfect storm because a lot of people would see that opportunity and never jump on it. They wouldn't know what to do. And the same thing happened for me. So part of that was you were like this little hatchling waiting to to crack open and funny that that moment presented itself. And so everybody listening, I'm going to say one of the biggest mistakes I see is that you don't identify what moments are. I also love the way that Derek embraces much like I do all the crappy stories, or at least that's what you, you thought were happening back then, when in fact it was creating the fabric of who you are, how resilient you are, how you see things that other people don't see. I've seen things that other people haven't seen my entire life, and at some point you're like, it can't be this obvious to me. And it's almost like, do you know that, that, that art where you kind of stare at it and all of a sudden it's got a 3D thing to it, and you're like, oh my God, I get it, I get it. That's what, like, creating my own manager. It's like, I, I didn't tell anybody for 20 years I did that because I was afraid they were going to arrest me or something. But it was very obvious to me that that was the only choice. And when it worked, it was like, you go, girl. All right, so now you're doing this, and? And I moved to Florida right around that 21, 22-year-old. Um, I've got seven figures in the bank. I'm making very, very good money, and I want to start a management company. Now, I know that I want to do this. And I, want, I, have a, I have a specialty in mind, but I also know that I've never started a management company. I didn't go to college. So I apply for a job at the largest management company in the world. Um, and I, I get hired uh, and they pay me $32,000 as a starting salary. And I take the job. And they promote me within three months to the youngest senior manager, two months general manager of two properties. Month after, they give me an entire region. So it's about six months in. Now I'm 22 and a half. Uh, and I quit because, I, A, I don't want to get stuck in that. B, uh, I figure, well, I, I must know enough to go off on my own. And so in all of that, I was, I was continuing to do what I was doing. But I put in the eight, nine hours a day for six or seven months to get the knowledge or to see if there was anything that I was missing. And then the next day, I started 3F Management. All right. So a couple of lessons. One I want to unpack. Didn't go to college. Uh-oh. No, well, I went for 60 days. <laughs> That's right. I decided, well, and I decided I did two degrees in three years because I looked at the scenario and said, all right, I, I need to, I want the degree that my parents want. While I'm here, why not get a second yep. one and do it in half the time everyone else does because it's not that hard. Again, seeing white space that other people don't see. Are you recommending yes. that your Agreed. girls go to college? I recommend my daughters do whatever it is that they want to do. I have zero uh, agenda. I have zero push. I, I embrace and lift up whatever um, brightens their, like their creativity. I'm a really different parent. Um, I'd said to you, I'm raising two lionesses, and that is damn true. Um, but I, I don't push my children in any direction. If they want to go to college and go to an Ivy League school because they're smart enough, amazing. If they want to not go and travel the, the, the world for a year, do it because you're a kid, you're young. If you want to start a business, do a business. I don't care whether they are massively wealthy or working a nine to five, making whatever that is, 50, 60 grand a year. If they're happy, I'm happy. And that's it. That's the beginning, middle and end of it for me. Is your mom still alive? She is. is she, what does she think about you? <laughs> So, you know, my mom and I have a bit of a turbulent relationship only because of where we came from. Um, but I would say that my mom is, you know, very proud of me. Um, but, you know, she worked for me for about 10 years. Oh, that's great. And then with that, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, great, great woman, worked, you know, did her best for sure. An amazing, amazing grandmother. Um, but she was a child raising a child. Um, and so then there was a little bit of a weird dynamic where the son became the father. Um, and so that, you know, that creates some issues uh, later in life. Well, just interesting because we don't know each other beyond meeting yesterday formally. And as yeah, you're raising right. your kids, I have the same sensibility. And I'm thinking about how did that come to two people from vastly different backgrounds? That's exactly my kids both turned 20. They're twins. My son, they both took a gap year. It was very weird graduating high school during COVID. My daughter and I started a company. She grossed a million dollars in her first year as a 17-year-old. My son worked for her and then said he's, his, his path was college. 
He has a very different bent on what he wants. And then we all went to Europe. We traveled, my daughter and I, for four, four weeks. Then my son and my daughter, who, what, 19-year-olds traveled together for another five weeks through Croatia and Greece. I'm like, very unusual um, gifts that their parents both gave them so that they had the wherewithal. Because I don't see any other kids doing this. I don't see any other kids. Do your kids' friends think they're a little unusual? Um, I mean, you know, I don't have a lot of communication with my children's friends because they're 14 and 16. Right. Um, but... I'll answer it a different way. My, my two my two children are polar opposite, but they are like a carbon copy of half of me. And what I mean by that is, I get it. You know, it's like it. one of them is, yeah, one of them is me more above the way, so to speak. Meaning my my mentality, my whatever level of intelligence I have. And then my other daughter is more of my from the hip, jump out of the plane, find the person on the. Interesting. All right, we just had you broke up a little bit. We've got about a minute before break, so I'm going to let you drive through wherever you are because it's a little wonky. And just tell everybody we're going to come back because what I okay. want to unpack next okay. is I am going. I wanted to ask all these things yesterday, and you know it's weird when you're having a conversation at lunch, you don't really get to ask all those pointed questions. When we come back, oh, I'm going for it. I'm going for eight, nine figures. Going to figure out some stuff about how you do this and what <laughs> you get to learn from this man. I think it's genius. You're listening to the Forbes Factor. We focus on health wealth and happiness don't go away we'll be right back be sure to friend us on facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america if you hate going to the gym but want to shed that extra weight finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms we have the most unique solution and get this it's fun and takes less than five minutes two times a day developed by fitness hall of fame inductee and tv health expert forbes riley the spin gym is the most compact low impact resistance exercise ever developed this simple handheld device provides the most unique fat burning metabolic boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels you've seen it on tv and in print with more than two million sold what are you waiting for get your forbes riley spin gym at buyspingym.com order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes guaranteed there's never been another product like the forbes riley spin gym so try it risk-free for 30 days visit buyspingym.com today Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel this is the voice america influencers channel be inspired you are listening to the forbes factor to call in with a question or comment please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to forbes at forbesriley.com now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. If you're playing along with us, welcome, welcome. I'm having a beautiful conversation with a man in a Rolls Royce. I think that's it's like in the title of a book, The Man in the Rolls Royce. Who is he? How did he get there? What does he value? Well, it turns out that he's a wonderful father of two, a very innovative, creative entrepreneur. And I think he makes a capital E for entrepreneur. You know, at some point, someone said, Forbes, you have to stop saying that word because you're not. You're the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. And there's a very big difference about how you label yourself and your level of success. What do you call yourself when people ask you what do you do? Um, I actually do. I love the term entrepreneur. I, I love the term, although 
not to get the bad rap. I love the word. I love the fact that I'm a hustler. I really mean by that is um, I enjoy business at its core. So I don't care what what niche it is, what area it is. I love I love interacting. I love teaching. I, I love everything about the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so I'm good with that word, in fact, regardless right. of everything that I've done. I got it. And I love that. So we started out, we talked a little bit about how you began, which is very unusual. And I love that. But then some massive success things happened. So take me through some early days. So everybody can understand, okay, you've got this. You were working in a management company. You decide to quit. Now what? So I'm during that time, I'm still actively uh, investing in companies and building companies. And at that time, my really, my big goal was to never own my own company. I wanted to invest, take equity, increase sell, get in, get out, arbitrage deals. But one of my uh, first really big, big investments went sideways. Um, in fact, the company stole the money from me. So at that time, it was actually a very large organic grocery store with a very small fitness center attached to it. And so once that money was essentially stolen from me, I took a small, small amount of the assets that were there and when someone says, why did you build this company I'm about to tell you about, I say I built it out of spite. And so I must be my first uh, large, large health club with some of the small assets that I had from the defunct uh, grocery store. Um, built that in 2000 and let's say 2005, 2006. Uh, it exploded with success. Uh, was making two or, three, two or three million dollars a year in profit. Um, I held on to that just one health club again. I just wanted to keep investing. It became so successful. I said, okay, let's go for this. Uh, five more in about three years and then sold it to a publicly traded company in 2019-ish for $52.2 million. Um, large multiple in the fitness industry. Ooh, I think he has been driving and we just lost him. I was afraid that was going to happen. Uh, so what I'm hearing, and I cannot wait for him to come back and really unpack this. I, you know, I've never done that. I have never sold a company. I personally don't have any idea what it takes to hear that you sold your first company for $52 million makes my head go, wow. And, and I don't mean to be so naive. It's not that I've made, I've made way more than that. I, if you want to go on home shopping and understand how to market a product, whew, I gotcha. I can do that in my sleep. We can do million dollar days on home shopping. I understand that world. And in my case, definitely grew that to be a rock star. What I love about what I'm hearing, what I want to share with you as an audience, is the level of ingenuity. I don't hear that he took off time to figure out how to go to school and get this formal education that he knew was never going to serve him. What I did hear was him working for nine months for a company. And so many times I hear, I mean, I just, I was going to hire a girl, right? Uh, 24 years old. I loved her energy. She was in fitness. She could pitch. I said, come, she was in Fort Lauderdale. I said, come over to Tampa. It's about a four hour drive. Uh, I had her stay there for a week. I realized she'd be a great addition to my company. She says yes. And she says to me, okay, I want to do it for forty-five dollars or $50,000. And I want a $15,000 relocation fee. And I want some, she's 24 years old. And I looked at her and I thought, you know, guys, there's a lot to learn from someone like me. I wish I had interned with someone who's a successful woman to understand all the nuances. And I just turned her down. So there's something about the culture today you heard Derek say that he took quite a pay, a cut in pay, not for the money. He did it for the experience, to understand, to learn a new skill. And I'm going to tell you, I think that's one of the problems today is that you guys don't quite realize. I had someone come to my office to do some gopher work, and she wanted $75 an hour. And I'm like, excuse me? You're doing gopher work. What are you doing? And by the way, I'm going to do a little commercial while, we, you know, while he, we're seeing if he can come back to us. But I have created a thing for all of you called One Minute to millions. If you go to one minute to millions.com, you're going to see something extraordinary there. And so what I have really put together is it's a 15 step template. And even all my producers and everybody in Arizona, you guys should be doing this because we have been doing it now and doing it so much that everyone who's gone through it is raving. And it starts out a little something like this. So if I can play with you while I'm looking for, for Mr. Derek, um, Come back, come back, Mr. Derek, come back. I'm loving this conversation. And if not, we'll have to do it next week. Um, it starts out with, hi, my name is. And so often, you guys, when you introduce yourself, hi, my name is Burger. nice to meet you. Well, there's no money in nice to meet you. Hi, my name is Forbes Riley. Take a beat. 
And the, the best part of that is that when you're in a networking meeting, what happens is you can't, you know, you meet all these people and like, oh, what was it? Oh, it said it too fast. Take a moment. I'm going to tell you, your business relationship starts out on a much better foot when you know the name of the person you're talking to. Because it happens all the time and you're like, wow, gosh, could somebody say hi so I know what that person's name is? I don't want to be weird or think that I wasn't listening, but I never really heard it. The second thing that we do is, hi, my name is, and I'm known as. Now, usually when you introduce yourself in a business setting, you'll find yourself saying, well, hi, my name is Forbes Riley, and I help people pitch to have a much better life. And when they go, blah, 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 blah. And you just start rambling and talking. I'll tell you what, if you say the phrase, I'm known as, you know what that does? That immediately instills some credibility in the listener. All of a sudden they're like, oh, you're known. What are you known as? And then there's a little secret. I've spent a lot of time studying the brain and dissecting how we get information, how we understand things, how we do laughs. For example, if you want to tell a joke, you're going to tell it in three parts. You're going to do the setup, the, the, the well, again, the establishing the setup and the punchline. Boom, boom, boom. And as we're writing jokes, you really come to understand how important that technique is. Well, if you can say three words about what you're known as. So I'm known as, hey everybody, I'm Forbes Riley. I'm known as the queen of pitch. And you follow that with a sentence that starts because. I hope you guys don't mind I'm teaching you, but this is one of my most popular courses. I mean, this is flying off the shelves right now. People are going crazy. They're doing showcases. They're videotaping themselves. I have a huge, like, I have 40 people who videotape. We call it one minutes millions. You put it on video, you put it out there, and I'll tell you what. People know what you do. They're excited. They correspond with you. They buy from you very quickly. So you might say, hi, I'm known as the queen of pitch because I've sold $2.5 billion worth of product. Wow. And the next sentence starts out with an example of what I've achieved. So in my case, again, hi, I'm Forbes Riley. I'm known as the queen of pitch because I've sold $2.5 billion worth of product. An example of what I've achieved is that I now have 14,000 students. Wow. Okay. So now you kind of get what I'm doing, right? I could completely change that. And you only want to do one at a time. You really, this workbook is what I think people are going nuts over. So if I were doing my fitness company, I own Spin Gym. And I might say, hey, everybody, my name is Forbes Riley, and I am the creator of Spin Gym because I realized that resistance bands didn't do it for me and I needed a great fitness product on the go. An example of what I've achieved is people have lost upwards of 100 pounds, tighten their arms, and I get letters every day of people going, wow. Now, this is just the first part of this whole template. There's 15 different questions, and I will tell you, as you go through it, they include my mission is people get to know that very quickly uh one of them starts out with i grew up you know if i'm talking about my fitness product hello mr derek we see you back let me just finish this little piece of the story when i'm talking about my fitness product i'll say i grew up as the daughter of somebody my mom was 260 pounds didn't ever want to go to a fitness gym and i didn't want to look like her do you know how much you know about me in this little tiny pitch intro now so often when you guys pitch you just ramble all right i want to bring my special guest back derek are you there I am here. I apologize. That's okay. You gave me a great chance to teach. I am never at a loss for words. That's my superpower. <laughs> All right, but I am. <laughs> I agree. But I do have some questions. All right. So I'm sorry, you got to back up here. I've never sold a company. Okay. I don't think about it in terms of exit strategies. I, and I love even when you came to this sensibility. Was there any mentor along the way who even told you that these things were possible? No, I really, you know, and that I was coming up being an entrepreneur was not a sexy thing. It was something that people told you you were crazy to do. Okay. How did you put together at that age the concept of selling the company? Um, well, I mean, listen, the first time I exited a really meaningful company, I was in my mid-20s. Um, which I know sounds very young, but then I'm, you know, almost into doing um, at least a variation of what, what I do now. So I, I had 10 years in or eight years in at 25, 26 years old. So although I was young, I was more experienced than people 10 years, 15 years, my senior. Okay. And it really was all self-education. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at putting myself in situations that I should be very uncomfortable in. And what I mean by that is uh, I'm the guy who um, I say yes to everything. Um, I have the confidence that if I, if I don't know what I'm doing going into it, 
that I can I can piece together enough and pick up enough to get by. Um, and I actually encourage everyone to kind of practice that mentality of just get in the game, get in the game, listen, learn. You're going to look stupid sometimes. Who cares? Everyone does. Embrace the stupid and, and you'll be amazed how far you Hey, do me a quick favor. Oh, there you are. Okay, now I see you on camera. All right, so, you know, it's funny. I now teach and preach the idea that the first 20 years or 30 years of my career, I didn't have a company either. I was the spokesperson, the pitch woman for everybody else's company. You give me a product, I will pitch it better than the CEO, better than your sales team. And I got quite a reputation doing that. But it was really smart because having your own company, as you also realize, is quite the pain in the ass if you don't know what you're doing. Yet everybody that I meet wants their own company. They want to, I'm the new life coach. I'm the this, I'm the that. What would you say to them? 90 seconds, we'll have no more interruption. Excellent. Come back to me because I'm going to go, and I see the beautiful girls in the car too. I, I want to hear from my 14 and 16-year-old entrepreneurs who are crushing it um, from a female entrepreneur who is like changing the face <laughs> of the world. You guys, one of the crazy things about being a little girl is that you have very few role models of successful women who look, act, and sound like you want them to. And so I am, and for those of you uh, playing along and listening to this whenever, I've got a new series coming out called realsummits.com. It's the International Global Women's Conference. And I am looking for the most amazing female thought leaders from Sharon Lecter to Elena Cardone to Marianne Williamson to the, the bigger the better. Uh, from all industries, because I am now of the mind that while it's nice to listen to the men and they're great, they don't think like I do. They don't have to wear high heels or makeup or do their hair every day. By the way, Derek, one of the reasons that you're successful along with most men, an hour to do the makeup, an hour to do the hair, that's about 400 to 500 hours a year that you have extra that you can go do business. <laughs> At least I tell people that. All right. Can we hear you now? Fair enough. It is. It really, it does make a difference. And I will tell yes, you. Yes, I think we're in an area now we shouldn't have any more problems. I think one of the best things about COVID, at least I didn't have to put on high heels for a while. Up oh, and there he's lost. All right. So this is a challenging um, interview, you guys. And I appreciate your patience. But one of the things that will show all of my listeners is that in the face of adversity, you keep moving forward. I do, do love the idea. Number one, he's sitting in a Rolls Royce. I got to tell you, there's a level of success there because there's nothing worse than people telling you how successful they are. I'm of the mind, show me, don't tell me. And he's in the car with both of his daughters, which I just think is very, very exciting. Do you want to hear something funny? And if you can't, I'm going to let you keep driving for a second. But my daughter, who's now 20, wildly innovative. She started her own company when she was 12 years old. She did drop shipping. She built websites for people. She was brilliant on the internet. Well, one day Facebook Live comes out. And just like Derek, I've got it sitting in my car and I'm driving. Now, when you get your kid in your car, you really don't want to take your attention off the road. So I'm doing a Facebook Live and I'm just doing what I've run as I do. And she turns to me in a very cute little way and says, Mommy, if I sell something of yours, can I get 50%? And I thought, of course you can. You're my daughter. Go for it. You can have 50%. Then she looks directly in my Facebook Live and says, okay, guys, I'm successful as a teenager because my mom, I listen to her all the time. She's taught me amazing things. I'm going to let you listen to my mom. We call it Forbes Riley's rant calls. She'll get on the call with you for an hour. It's $1,000. Who wants in? With that, the Facebook Live lights up. One, two, three, four people are saying yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, and I'm driving and I'm not really paying attention. I'm like, did you just close four people into a $4,000 deal on my time? And she's like, uh-huh. Then before I can do anything, she keeps going because she's relentless. I think she learned that from her mom as well. And she said, all right, how about I create a deal? Who wants my mom for an entire year? Mom, how much do you charge for a year? I'm like, McKenna. And she said, all right, you know what? 12 times a thousand. I'll give my mom away for $12,000. Who's in? And I'll never forget this. Cindy Cork from Alaska says, I want your mom for $12,000. I pulled off the side of the road. I said to everybody on the Facebook Live, I love you. I'm going to be right back. I got to talk to this kid. I pulled over and I said, McKenna, did you just make $16,000? She's like, well, I made eight for you and eight for me, mom. I'll just take a check. And I thought, oh my gosh, how innovative, how genius. And so I'm excited to talk and to meet at some point Derek's girls. They don't need to come on camera right now. But my daughter is just putting the finishing touches on a book called Every Company Needs a Kid.
So the lesson from that one is she didn't have a company. She didn't have a website like so many of you spend so much time and energy doing or build. She had to go home that night and build the funnel to fulfill what she'd sold. And so we very often talk about creating something and testing it to see if it's even going to work before we sell it. I talk to so many dreamers and schemers who, oh, I'm writing a book. I've been writing a book for three years. And my question to you then is who are you writing the book for? If you're writing it for you, don't do it. I have a great story to tell. That's nice and all, but you know what? I write the books that people want to read from me and they sell like hotcakes. Very, very big difference in mentality. All right, we're going to take another break and we're going to come right back in a couple of minutes after these sponsors and we're going to follow Derek in his travels wherever he is down in Naples in his car with his beautiful girls. The story continues. Don't go away. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. All right, so I want to be a fly on the wall way back when. You create this company and you source someone who wanted to buy it. Did you know the company was worth $52 million? Um, I actually thought, well, to be fair, I'm pretty good at selling my companies for more than they actually are worth. And we can, we can dig into the weeds on how that's done. Um, but yes, I expected to get in that area within say 10%. Wow. I just think that's, so that's just a great mentality that at one point I really would, when you're sitting down in a place where you're not driving, I would love to unpack the strategy of that because the first part of this equation is I grew up in a very blue collar family where no one thought to sell their company. I wish I had known that was a thing. Turns out there was a lot of things that I didn't know growing up. I knew about working hard. I knew about, and I knew about being ingenious, but if I'd known you could sell something, I would have created things to sell. Most people that I talk to at a level of entrepreneurialism are not creating to sell their business. They're creating a job for themselves and they don't even realize it. And then the worst part is they create a job that they are then a slave to and not eight hours a day, 18 hours a day. And that's an unfortunate part of entrepreneurialism. Do you teach that at all about how not to be a slave to your own business? Well, actually, I do a lot of investing in the small business world. And so what I really like to do and I encourage smaller entrepreneurs to do, and you nailed it, right? You're still trading your time for money. And so you're still, you're still a player on the field versus a coach or the owner, which is what you want to become for a sports analogy. Um, so scale is everything. And so what I encourage small businesses to do, so a lot of them are petrified to grow. And so I will come in 
Um, and so let's do something very, very simple. Let's say a landscape company, for example. There are a, a plethora of landscape companies out there that can be acquired for almost no money down. So if I have a small landscape company and I'm making $60,000 a year and I'm the primary guy doing the work every day, what I do, I would come in and sometimes I just do it just to help my landscaper, for example. So go acquire an additional landscape company. What does that do? Now you've doubled your amount of money. You've taken a little bit more from perspective in your regional area. And now what you do is you, you've taken that step up. And so now you get you two managers and you're, you're now bouncing back and forth between the two. So you, you can't be on the ground at both companies. Once that's stabilized, you just keep reproducing this model. And all of a sudden, before you know it, not only are you working on your business versus in it, now you've got a multi-million dollar company that can be sold or kept for great cash flow. I know it sounds as oversimplification, but that, that's really the, the game of scale on any level. Unfortunately, smaller entrepreneurs do not do it out of, I think, fear or just not knowing how really simple it is. They're doing the hard work, harder work, being that guy on the ground every day. So one question for people who've yes. just come into a little bit of money, how do you know, how do you speculate on what a good investment is for you? So when it comes to businesses, so I buy, I'm a cash flow guy, right? So um, for me, for about 25 years, I, I wasn't even in the stock market. I, I always bet on the, the highest ROI, which was me. And so that's always my go-to, right? Um, I think it was a Hormozzi says the, the S and me 500 versus the S and P 500, which is one of my favorite lines of all time. Right. Because it's so true. Um, you can throw your money. I'm not saying, you know, uh, mutuals and IRAs, all those things are not an okay way to go. I'm just saying I've never had them. It's not my go-to. I would encourage anybody with money to invest in cash flow businesses and or real estate. That is the true path to wealth. And what I mean by wealth is, time. Freedom and time is really what wealth is about. When you get to a point where you're not trading your time for money, you are wealthy, no matter how many zeros you have in the bank account. Nice. So somebody decides that they do want to start their own company. Every, every throw a stone, everyone's a life coach. Everybody comes to me at a certain level wanting guidance. And what I've never offered them as I'm now thinking about this is how, do, how would you scale that? Let's assume your company is successful and you're making money. What do you then do? As a coach, would you go out and acquire other coaches? If you're a, oh, so if you run a coaching business? Yeah, I get a lot of coaches and I'm wondering, and they're doing, they, they, spend, they spend way too much time. You know, one of the problems that I help people do is that you talk about in your business and on your business. Again, that's why I never wanted my own yep. business. All of a sudden you've got inventory and returns and you're, it's a lot of, you have to run a company. Uh, and that's how we originally met, guys, just so you know, a little behind the scenes here, is that I wanted to enroll uh, a CEO, a CEO mentality, who really let me understand what is, how do you run the company part? And I don't think that most people who are developing their skill ever understand who, I mean, is it an MBA that you would get to run, how to, know how to run a company? I'm not quite sure. Well, from an educational from an educational world standpoint, they would say you must have an MBA to uh, run high level businesses. But I'm sitting here telling you, not only do I have an MBA or or a BA, I, I don't have anything. So um, the path to that is, if you want to go that way, it's absolutely okay. But it is not essential. It does not have to go that way. I don't care if you're out of high school, 10, 20, 30 years. It's never too late to get in the game. And okay. yes, it helps to have a mentor. Yes, it helps to have resources, but it's, it's not required also. So companies now come to you. You step in and you become interim CEO because there's something, and I don't want to run out of time for my own show here. I want to come to a conclusion of this, and then we're going to have a part two, I promise you. But one of the things that just happened to you is that you were the guy kind of behind the scenes. Yes, you were very happy stepping in and fixing companies, seeing what's wrong with them. And you have an ability, I want to say one of your innate abilities is to walk into a company at that top level and see what's missing, yes? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big-time numbers guy, so good. So, no for example, it doesn't matter the size of the company. If I look at a company's balance sheet, I can, in a very short period of time, understand things about that company, right and wrong, really don't necessarily recognize. 
Give me an example. So somebody who's never so done. So when I meet before. smaller companies. Good. No, no. The example of I, I love this. I'm, I'm a numbers person as well. Sorry, you, you keep cutting in and out. I don't mean to step on you. But when you look at numbers, what's something that it tells you that most people wouldn't realize you can see from the numbers? Yeah, I mean, look, it's more from an expense standpoint, right? So there's so much mismanagement in, in expenses, but worse than mismanagement of actual expenses is how those expenses are recorded and, and the impact that that, that that has on your EBITDA. The EBITDA is a representation of your true net profit on a monthly or annual basis. And why is that important? Because that affects lending, that it affects buying power, it affects, more importantly, how you sell your company. And that really is such, such a big, big important thing. Now, at a high level, that really is pretty optimized. But when you get below companies that are making one or two million a year, it's a bit of a disaster. And I would say 90% of all people that sell their company in that range are, are giving their company away. What I mean by that is they're probably leaving 25 to 30% on the table for a company they spent their entire life building. It's, it's a tragedy. Yeah, a girlfriend of mine wrote the book Exit Rich, and I read a lot of case studies where you're like, man, if you just knew what you what you don't know. All right, so to sum this up, though, That's right. you recently went into a company and you sold it for more than they thought they were going to get for it, correct? Yeah, a little bit to say that I sold it. So th there was a company that was uh, actively being uh, trying to be acquired. Um, the CEO was a bit of a disaster and the buying side knew that. So they figured we'll just wait this out. He's going to burn this company to the ground. So the company reached out to me to stand in as the interim CEO. Um, they were offering them about $40 million for the company it was worth 60. And in, in my opinion, I stepped in on a Friday night, uh, Friday night, made an announcement. I was going to be the interim CEO, uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, at about in front of about 3000 people. So very publicly by design. Uh, three days later, that uh, buying party offered $75 million for the company because they recognized strong leadership was in place. And so, you know, that doesn't always happen that quickly. But it does speak to not just me. Strong leadership is very important. Yeah, and very underrated. And so all of a sudden, I think the fun part of the end of this interview is that your social media blew up. You now what I have 880,000 fans on Instagram. And magazines found you yes. and started doing interviews. And is this a crazy change for your life? It is a crazy change. And what's really crazy about it is it, all of this is going on for things that I've been doing for 20 years. Um, and honestly, if I hadn't been thrown into this uh, because of the deal we just spoke about, I probably wouldn't be um, as out here as I am. And not because I don't enjoy it, because this has been a really exciting, fun ride. I get to meet people like you and then, and I'm getting all of these wonderful DMs about you know, thanking me. And so it's very rewarding. I never thought that social media could be philanthropic in some ways. Um, but I'm enjoying that part of it more than really anything. I have so many young entrepreneurs reaching out, asking questions. Uh, and I'm spending a lot of time online just answering the questions. And it's really rewarding. Yeah, I think I'm going to take some of my expertise and show you how to make this into a training. Because there's some things here, very seriously, very specifically, that I've never heard anyone talk about at your level and your casualness about it that i think is it's very refreshing and a great way obviously your daughter's like listening to you uh, my daughter came to me not long ago and said mom the business i want to be in is acquisitions and i'm like huh i can't really help you there but i know a guy who can now <laughs> that's right not, not even in my well, vocabulary that explains who she is right yeah but i'll tell you it, everyone has it. it's not nothing is as complicated as you think and I know that maybe that, that comes across, um, hope that doesn't come across uh, disingenuous, but I say it all the time. The things that I've done are things that anybody can do. You don't have to have a degree from MIT. You don't have to come from Yale or Princeton. I sit in these boardrooms with guys from MIT, Princeton, Harvard, Yale, and, and I am the guy running the show. And I have a high school education. And so anybody can do what I'm doing. Acquisitions, all these words that you hear. They're scary words, but when you really get into the, the weeds on it, it's, it's some fundamental stuff that with a little nudge and a little information, anybody can do at, at scale. Well, I feel the same way about pitching. When I hear people pitch me and it's a disaster and they're successful, I look at them going, or they're like, oh, I'm kind of nervous, but I don't have my pitch down. I'm thinking it comes very easy to me to my ears, and I've changed a lot of people's lives because of that. But maybe we all have our zone of genius. You know, there's three-year-olds who can play Mozart. I can't do that. So 
It may be easy for you, but I do think you want to memorialize some of this because there's some things here that I would love to drill down and the lessons that you learn from it that you can pass on. Because I think it's more than just a couple of people in a DM. I think on a bigger scale, I still, there's things I want to know. But as we get towards the end of this, you're off playing basketball with Floyd Mayweather. What's that about? <laughs> yeah, good question. So uh, Floyd Mayweather's team reached out to me for the, the Pro Bowl weekend in Las Vegas. It's a celebrity game. And so they, they called me. Um, didn't realize I was a celebrity. Not sure that's true or not, but uh, it'll be a fun thing. Now, I was an athlete my whole life, but I haven't played basketball in about 10 years. So my daughter and I, I've been over at uh, the gym shooting hoops, so I don't completely embarrass myself, although that may still be the outcome. Uh, but it's for charity, uh, a lot of big names. It should be a lot of fun. So uh, I, hopefully you'll be there to laugh at me as well. I can only wait to see the tattoo. All right, we've got about a minute <laughs> and a half left. You are doing this in front of your two girls. Give me a message to the world. What would you, I have a lot of viewers. What do you want to say to them? Um, I mean, as far as what I, what I would like to take out of this, yeah. Listen, so, yeah, I mean, the reason I'm doing this uh, is twofold. Um, as I sat back over the past 10 years and saw how social media affected my daughters, other kids that come to me for mentoring, there's a lot of, in my opinion, poor messages on social media as a whole. And these kids are pouring themselves into misinformation and beating themselves up for not being massively successful in their early 20s. And it's absolute garbage. And, it, and it's hurting the generation that's going to be leading us forward. And, uh, you know, and then the second part is I'm, I'm mentoring some of these big, big social media people. And they're regurgitating the things that I was saying with no actual knowledge behind it. And so when that opportunity came, I said, you know what, I'm going to step up and do this regardless of the outcome, whether it's one person or a million people to get the right message and get real usable information, then it's worth my time. I, I think that's beautiful. And what should somebody be thinking? What's a thought for the week for, for people that you don't know, but you'd love to inspire? Um, don't beat yourself up, right? My favorite saying is be careful what you say to yourself because your subconscious mind is listening. We are so disrespectful to ourselves. That Dude, it's I see that. That's good. Oh, man, you're just blowing me away. I've got 30 seconds left. Just, I'm sorry. I, I get why who you are. It just blows me away. So to your girls in the car, Good on you guys for, for being a beautiful family unit. I got to say, that's one of the coolest things that no matter what you do in life, it is about that family. Uh, you never wish that you spent one more day in the office, but you do wish that you played one more game of basketball with your daughter or go ahead some Italian ices and sat out on a beach somewhere. Yeah? All right. You guys, I've got a few seconds left. What an interesting conversation. This is The title of this is going to be called The Man in the Rolls Royce. How do you get there? What's he doing there? And why are those two horrible <laughs> Well, we got to play with this. You got to have some fun with it. Hey, guys, we're coming to the conclusion. Agreed. Of the show. Agreed. Well, next. I know. My, so I'm Forbes Riley. You listen to the Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness. We've got two out of three today. I'm going to get you that third one, I promise. Derek is coming back. I got a yes from him. He can't say no to me. I just got it. All right, you guys. I got to run. We're out of time. I'll see you guys next week. Bye bye, everybody. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.